morning. Welcome to worship this morning. We're so glad that you have joined us for worship here at Central Baptist Church. Um, you'll find in the pews next to you um, friendship pads. We'd invite you to take those and fill out that with any information that you'd like to provide. Pass that down the row so that other folks can sign that as well. It's a way for us to get to know each other a little better this morning. Maybe greet one another by name a little later during the passing of the peace. Uh, we're so glad that you are here for worship and your presence is truly a blessing to us this morning. Uh, a couple of weeks back, I was uh, out at the Pinnacles with Emma and Jake. We went hiking uh, at, in Berea and uh, we had a great time. We went up uh, to one of the Pinnacles. I for, always forget the names, but we went, we went up and we were at the top and it was gorgeous and beautiful. And I said, oh, you're ready to go back? Nope, we wanna go to another one. I said, okay, let's do this. So we walked along the top of the Pinnacles and as things leveled out a little bit, um, I, I have this tendency, this is confessional time, to like when I'm on my way somewhere, I just want to get there. Point A to point B, that's what matters. And so I'm trying to truck along and we're looking and Emma says, wait, look, have you noticed the rocks here? Uh, they're sparkling, they're beautiful. And as I look down at the ground in the, the afternoon sun, uh, these ordinary rocks that at any other time just looked like ordinary rocks had all these beautiful sparkles in them and were shining. And she had taken the time to notice and to see, and I was able to take a deep breath to stop and to remember why we were there out that day. It wasn't just about getting from point A to point B, but it was about being present with each other. And so this morning we have the beautiful opportunity to be present with one another again, uh, to be present with God who is here among us, who today as we celebrate Palm Sunday and we think about this uh, difficult and conflicting time in the life of Jesus uh, on the precipice of this trial and tribulation, and yet with celebration and with welcome, we too stand in the middle of that in-between space, welcoming Jesus again, recognizing the trouble that is in our lives and among us, and yet hoping and praying and searching for those glimmers of truth, those glimmers of beauty, those glimmers of God's love and grace that will certainly and are even now shining forth. So welcome to worship this morning.
reading from Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them, and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered to me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you. Give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Please join me in prayer. Lord, each of us came into church today needing you in different ways. 
Some of us need strength in facing a challenge. Some hope because of circumstances that are beyond our control. We're so grateful for your love to guide us through any and all of life's path. We know you're here with us and your love knows no bounds. In your name, amen. Please join me in passing the peace to those around you. And while you're passing, you might want to wish happy birthday to our Pastor Mark. <laughs> We spent our season of, of uh, Lent together, uh, engaging in a Lenten practice of quiet reflection during our times of worship. And this Palm Sunday, as we enter into Holy Week, we continue this practice with a chance for us to take some time to take a deep breath, to be present with one another, to be present with God who is here among us even now. And so in just a few moments, we'll read our call to prayer together that you'll find in your bulletins. We'll read that responsively. And then I'll play quietly for a few moments and uh, give you the opportunity to perhaps sit, uh, to contemplate, to focus on your breath if you'd like to do that, to look at one of the quotes in your bulletin, or to even come forward and to light a candle here at either side. Uh, you're welcome to do that, to let that symbolize your prayer to God uh, this morning. Maybe. You want to sit and you want to contemplate the palm branches that you're holding this morning. Maybe that's a way for you to enter in uh, to Palm Sunday uh, this week as well. Uh, so we'll read together. I'll play for a few moments quietly, and then I'll invite you to sing along our song of response that you will find printed in your bulletin as well. Come, Lord Jesus, bring me peace. So let's pray together. As you pass by, Jesus, let the wake of your peace wash over us. We lift our hearts to you. We lift our fears to you. We lift these injustices to you. We lift these injuries to you. Let the wake of your peace wash over us. Lord, hear our prayers.
Lord Jesus, we ask you to save us from so many things. We lift up our hearts. We lift up our fears. We lift up our doubts. We lift up the injustices that we have been a part of. That we have committed ourselves. up our loves and our dreams. We wave these things before you this morning. I ask that you would lead us on your path of peace. It may be a different way than what we expected. that you would lead us in to the glorious and beautiful ways of your generous and kind kingdom. Bring your peace.
Let's pray again, please. <coughs> Dear God, it seems in this world, humility is not appreciated. Humbleness is not lifted up. Pridefulness, haughtiness, better than thouness seems to be the rule of the day. And yet, here's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords riding on the back of a donkey with his head down, going to do what he had to do. Dear God, give us humble and charitable hearts and the willingness and the courage to quietly and lovingly and patiently, but with force and power nonetheless, do what we have to do. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated.
take you out. As you are able, I invite you to stand with me now for the hearing of our gospel Palm Sunday lesson this day taken from the 19th chapter of the gospel of Luke. Hear now the gospel. When Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. And tie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it just as was told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for the deeds of power they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. For the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The New York book editors recently named several different types of heroes. For example, the willing hero, the most traditional. He will run into the burning building. She will chase down the bad guy. They will face danger, defeat the problem, and succeed. Thank James Bond. Or Nancy Drew. The unwilling hero is usually an ordinary person forced into an extraordinary set of circumstances. Also known as the reluctant hero, this person might be filled with uncertainty or doubt in their own personal abilities and really wishes anyone else would step up but eventually comes to understand they are the only ones who can accomplish what needs to be done. Think Frodo Baggins in Lord of the Rings. The classic hero is gifted with skills far beyond the normal person. Like the willing hero, this type shows no fear and hardly makes any mistakes at all and their approach to always do the right and noble thing. Think King Arthur or Wonder Woman. The tragic hero is deeply flawed and may have lost everything they once had, 
but through a final moment of glory is willing to do what no one else will. And even despite themselves, they pull off the impossible and change the world. Think Oedipus or Brutus. The anti-hero is corrupt, crash, and offensive, but you still just can't help cheering for them. You know they're up to no good, but you still want them to do well. Think Tony Soprano. Or just about every cast member in Game of Thrones. And in light of all these different types of heroes, I would argue that as we walk with Jesus from today, Palm Sunday, and through Holy Week, we discover how Jesus is so completely unlike any of them. Even though Jesus will be thought a hero, he is totally different. Who breaks all the molds of all those who have ever worn the mantle of being a champion. Take, for example, the way a hero yields power. Most classical types of heroes and heroines will use conquering power to achieve their ends. Some will employ, employ violence, fighting back against those opposing them or their cause. They will pick up club or sword or gun as a means to get whatever edge is possible or at least to level the playing field of battle. But Jesus will say this week, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And the true danger of fighting evil through violence is how we also can become evil in the process. Violence, even offered for a good cause, can get us at our worst, not our best. And we find we are getting the job done using violence as a destruction to our very souls. Yes, Jesus comes to confront evil and to conquer sin. But Jesus will not become evil in the process. The unlikely heroes also yield power, but they're a little bit trickier with sleight of hand or deception. They might use cunning or cleverness or subterfuge. They may not fight openly, but don't mind utilizing social power or manipulation to get their way. Again, Jesus is different. He will not shy away from his objective. He will not be afraid to take risk. What he does, he does plainly and honestly out in the open for everyone to see. He will stand in the temple. He will confront the unjust practices he sees there, even if that will stir up some trouble. He will not be intimidated to back down. He will teach and preach and heal in the public square. And when they come for him, he will not fight back, but will surrender humbly and peaceably, even by resisting darkness, he will still be swallowed up by it. Greg Boyd distinguishes two types of power, 
two types of kingdoms. The crucial distinction between the two kingdoms is how they provide antithetical answers to the questions that power should try to elicit from us. Do you trust power over or power under? Do you trust the power of the sword, the power of external force, or do you trust the influential but non-coercive power of Calvary-like love? That's the question we disciples are being asked to answer with Jesus on Palm Sunday. Because I think we all crave this more subtle power of love's deeper calling. Though we find it almost impossible to rid ourselves of the more dominant images of peace gained only through strength and security met only when all threats external and imagined have been overwhelmed. But we cannot always outrun trouble or keep it totally at bay. Anxiety is the companion of the mature person who has lived long enough to know how bad things can happen even to good people. And there's not always a lone ranger waiting over yonder hill to come galloping down and rescue us. So where do we go? Using Brene Brown's descriptions so that anxiety, while a reality, doesn't become a lifestyle. And today's sermon title is misleading, written weeks ago before writing this sermon. It's not calm over anxiety, it's calm in the midst of anxiety. That we are never truly anxiety free. We are never easily anxiety adverse. But perhaps we can be anxiety aware and not allow the anxiety that is present always with us and in our world to overwhelm us, to overcome us, to get the best of us. So it is Marcus Borg and Dominic Crossan, these two great, wonderful New Testament writers whose book, The Last Week, forever changed the way we see Palm Sunday. And if you need a good Lenten practice book, then this is one to recommend. The Last Week, The Seven Last Days of Jesus in Jerusalem. You can download it from Kindle and walk with Jesus every day, Palm Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday. It's a wonderful text. And they see in Jesus' triumphal entry not only the fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9 and the acknowledgement of Jesus' title as Prince of Peace, but also a visible display of a parody or a satire, a stark contrast, a counter-procession of peasants that lives in counter-distinction to the pomp of Caesar's and Pilate's ceremonial imperial procession of power and might. For Jesus will enter the holy city humbly, a 
upon a donkey through an olive grove, arriving at the gate, the gate called Beautiful, all while a totally different drama is being played out from the other side of town. For there, during that spring, at the western Damascus gate, the Roman battalion solemnly advanced on the Syrian road. And there they were, awesome stallions, clanging hoofs against the paving stones, gleaming metal lances, swords, dirts, helmets, polished leather armor, saddles, boots, drums. And at the helm, Pilate, riding forward as majestic as Caesar or Alexander the Great, sending a message during this great Jewish feast day that any trouble would be crushed. The Pax Romana, Caesar's peace, would be enforced. His approach was both political and theological. The empire was not to be messed with not only as the ruler of Rome, but as the legitimate son of God. The way of Caesar was the way of the world, the way of law and order and structure and justice. So let's take a page from Shannon Crago Schnell, a theologian from Louisville Press, just down the road. She reminds us that Aristotle defined different types of Drama, a tragedy, is when the heroic character meets with disaster at the end of the story. A comedy, by contrast, finds the characters edging right to the brink of disaster, and then at the last minute, they are saved. A comedy, in Aristotle's terms, doesn't need to be funny, but only offers relief. Because disasters are so common... When there's a last-minute rescue as the audience, we feel this tremendous unburdening, almost exhilaration, as now there is relief from this terrible, difficult scene. But the Jesus story is neither a tragedy nor a comedy. Indeed, Jesus will meet with disaster, which is believed at first to be the end of the story. The cross was endured and suffered until the very end. And there was no last-minute heroics at that time. Death was real, the suffering was great, and our great ending can only be seen through an unfolding of time. Dr. Craig O'Snell then sees a parallel in the story we talked about last week. In the death and rising of Lazarus, the friend of Jesus's. And you'll remember in that story that Jesus was delayed. And Mary and Martha had to suffer the actual death of their brother. Their grief was as real as his actual death. They had to watch him go through his final days and moments as they saw his life slip away. They had to plan a funeral and participate in his burial. They shed many tears and, and walked the lonely path of the bereaved. When their brother Lazarus died, they felt like a piece of them had died along with him. If Jesus had been a hero, 
He would have not delayed. He would have shown up right at the nick of time. He would have saved them from their grief. He would have protected them from having to go through this loss. But it was only after they had given up hope and the body was rotting in the grave that the story takes the twist of something greater. So it wasn't a tragedy, for it ends not in suffering, nor was it a comedy, the disaster was not avoided, but instead it was something far more wonderful. It's what we in the church call the gospel, where death is both endured and conquered. So, I suppose it's right that we feel a certain amount of oddness about Palm Sunday, where our categories are turned upside down along with those tables at the temple, where Jesus messes with our expectations and our preconceptions, when our timetable for rescue is delayed, and we find we must go through these difficult things and are waiting for someone to come and bail us out. Watching our king approach and the power keg of tension before him with such non-threatening humility. Whose parade do we want to march in? Whose parade will we sing its praises? Whose parade do we lift up as the model for our salvation? When our champion is not lifted up with shiny metal and implements of war and is brought down, surrender to the political and religious climate that will squash him like an insignificant insect. Jesus is not a hero, not the kind we expect. Because what we desperately and truly need is not a hero. What we need is a Savior. A Savior who will not promise us freedom from anxiety, but will invite us to lean and learn upon Him as we face whatever troubles may come. A Savior who will tell us right up front, you're going to get hurt, but will teach us how to forgive. When we have been beaten down by our own shame or our own sins, or the sins that have been done against us. A Savior who will not keep us from entering into the wilderness, but who will walk with us every step of the way. A Savior who will not lie to us and say, you'll never have to face death, but will meet us on the other side with a final victory that is permanent and eternal. Hosanna in the highest. Savior Jesus. Save us. Save us now. We close this service with a wonderful hymn. We have fanned the palms. Now let us sing from the heart. 196, all glory, laud, and honor as we respond to Jesus with joy and his invitation to confess him as Lord and Savior, to follow him in baptism,
to join in with community and to respond to the ways in which he calls us into service. May you respond as we stand and sing hymn 196. Before you leave today, I have a few announcements. Uh, we have a sign-up table out in the foyer. Lots of things are going on this week and lots of things that you can help with with your service and your time. One of those 
is the Kate Campbell concert. You can pick up your ticket there. The concert is on Sunday, May 5th. She will be with us that Sunday morning in worship and then a concert later on in that evening. Uh, you can stop by the table. Tickets are $10, or you can email the office uh, or go on our website and purchase tickets there. Next week is Holy Week. We have a Monday, Thursday service at 6.30, so please come and join us for that. We'll also be observing our uh, Good Friday Tenebrae service at that time as well. And then next Sunday is Easter. Uh, we will have baptisms. We will be uh, observing baptism that Sunday morning. And also you'll notice that our children will be ringing bells. We'll be ringing bells for, in celebration of Jesus' resurrection. So if you have a bell at your house that you can lend us for the morning, that'd be great. Or bring the bell yourself and ring them as the children ring them. Uh, also, we'll have a uh, cross in our foyer or maybe if the weather's nice outside. So bring some flowers, either uh, fresh cut from your yard or pick some up at the store that you can lend and put into the flowers uh, into the cross so uh, you can take pictures and make that a beautiful thing. The children also will have a smaller cross down their hallway that you can put some flowers in that will bring into the worship space uh, to make beautiful. The youth this morning made pox cakes. They're little pan cinnamon pancakes. They're out in the foyer. Uh, as you leave today, if the youth want to run around handing out bags, that'd be great. Uh, you are welcome to grab some of those as you leave. Are there any, any other announcements? Did I miss anything? Huh? They're edible. Yeah. They have, fla <laughs> they have flaxseed in them is what I was been told. So healthy-ish too? So. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Mark's birthday. I think that was said earlier. Yeah. Happy birthday to Mark. Receive now these words of benediction. Go out into the world singing loud Hosanna. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. And love and serve the Lord. Amen.